So there's a lot of ways that people think about Jesus. Was he uh, a, just a good example for us to follow? Was he a teacher that had a lot of wise sayings? Or like a lot of people say, was he a prophet? Or is Jesus God? Let's get into it. What's up, y'all? My name is Jordan, and welcome to Stoop Theology, where we bring complex divine truths down to the stoop. And today we're looking at a big one, this concept of Jesus's divinity. Like, how should you approach Jesus? How should you look at Jesus? Like, is Jesus one that we can worship? And what do the writers of the New Testament say about him? Now, really quick, I'm going to let myself off the hook a little bit and say that it's really impossible for me to answer this question in like a 10 minute video. Theologians have written thousands and thousands of pages about this, uh, this one very topic. And a lot of times you'll hear this word mentioned uh, in theology, and it's not a word that you see in the Bible, but it's theologians' best attempt at trying to understand this really complex topic, and it's called the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is basically saying that God is, is one, but God exists in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All three are equally God, but all three are distinct. But that's going to be for another Stoop Theology episode. But for the purposes of today, I wanted to chime in on what do the New Testament writers actually say about Jesus? Now, the New Testament writers do claim that Jesus is God, and they say that in both direct and indirect ways. A direct example is John 1. John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, talking about Jesus. And apart from him, not one thing that was created has been created. Down in verse 14, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So John starts off by basically saying in verse one and two, he says, the word appeared to us and the word was God. It's not a lot of suspense in that one, but there's so many other scriptures in the New Testament that talk about Jesus being not just like God's son, not just a prophet, but that Jesus himself was God. Now, in one of the first episodes we had on Stoop Theology, we talked about the need for context and context is so important because like there's stuff that New Testament writers wrote that unless you understand the context behind it, you just miss the impact of what they were trying to say. One of these scriptures happens in Matthew 3, where it's a writing about a dude named John the Baptist. And he was named John the Baptist, not because he wasn't John the Lutheran or John the Methodist, but he was uh, his ministry was known for baptizing people. And uh, he was uh, quoted here. In Matthew 3, and this is what he says about Jesus. And this is how people at Jesus's time saw him. It says this, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness uh, of Judea saying, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. And here's what John the Baptist says, for he is the one spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his paths straight. So John quotes Isaiah 40 and 3, which says, a voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord Yahweh in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. So when John the Baptist comes, 
essentially what he is saying that he believes Jesus to be is the is that Jesus is Yahweh who has appeared to us in the flesh and that his job is to make a path straight for him. Now, no Jew would have ever for any reason confused Yahweh, uh, our great God, with just a prophet or a teacher or an example. This language is extremely, extremely um, explicit and you have to understand the context that the Jewish readers would have understood as they read this text. Like this is really, really profound what he's saying. By equating Jesus with Yahweh, he is equating Jesus with real divinity, not some lesser form of it. And yo, there's also so many passages in the Old Testament that point to this reality that we see fulfilled in Jesus. And yo, if you, if you don't like understand the context, the backstory, you just miss out on how profound it is. All right, so check this out. So in John 20, it says that Mary went to the tomb to see Jesus, right? And it says when she gets there, she sees two angels um, in the tomb, one at the head and one at the foot. Now, these two angels are, are facing each other. Now, if you read through that uh, account in John 20, it's like, all right, there were two angels in the tomb. Jesus was no longer there because he had risen from the dead. But John is including a detail that if you understood Jewish history, you would be like, yo, that is profound. Now, what is the history? So in Exodus 25, there's instructions for how people were to build the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was God's presence. And there's one detail where it says that there were two cherubim, which are angels, one at the head and one at the foot of the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence, and they were facing each other. So when John includes this detail, that there were two angels uh, standing at the tomb where Jesus's body had lain. What John is basically saying is he's going back to the book of Exodus where the Ark of the Covenant was buried underneath the mercy seat. And he is saying that Jesus uh, of Nazareth, the one that had to come, the one that was crucified, he himself was buried here in this tomb. Like when you see the, the scripture from that lens, that Old Testament writers, um, that Jesus is fulfilling all the new that the Old Testament writers are saying. There's so many different ways in which indirectly it is claimed that Jesus is not just a teacher, example, or prophet, but that Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, essentially, what this is saying is that it's not just God's ambassador or God's sacrifice that died for us, but rather that God himself put on flesh and came and died in our place. That's profound. Check out how New Testament writers talk about it in Titus 2. It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession. When scripture talks about Jesus dying on the cross, it's saying God himself was hanging on the cross for our sins. And that is profound. Now, I was thinking about it this week, all the implications that that raises. And one of them that I'll, I'll share with us right now is it radic radically changes the way that we see the cross and the nature of God in general. So I was watching my parents' HBO Go account a couple of years ago, and there was this documentary on HBO called The Witness. And The Witness is a, a true story about a young woman named Katie Genovese uh, in Kew Gardens in Queens. And when she was 28 years old, she was attacked by somebody out in front of her apartment. Now, as she was attacked, she screamed over and over again, help, somebody help, somebody please, please help. 
and nobody came down. Now the documentary was called The Witness because so many people witnessed it, but didn't do anything about it. Now, unfortunately later for Katie Genovese, uh, the assailant stopped because he heard people screaming from the windows at first, but then realized that nobody was coming down. And then he went back to Kitty and Kitty Genovese and he killed her. Now, the whole documentary was about the psychology of people who don't want to enter into um, a dangerous situation on someone else's behalf. But if the incarnation is true, if it's true that God really came down, what is the scripture in John telling us that God put on flesh? And what is the scripture telling us that God himself hung in our place? It's meaning that God himself made himself vulnerable on our behalf to save us, that God heard the, the screams and the cries of his people. As it says in Exodus 3, I have heard the screams and the cries of my people and I have come down. And this is what the New Testament is saying happens in the person of Jesus Christ. God heard, heard our screams. He saw our captivity. He himself has come down and he didn't come down at the risk of his life, but he came down at the cost of his life. The Lord of the universe comes down knowing that it would cost him his life. And yo, that just changes the way that I see sacrifice. It just changes the way that I see the cross altogether. That God will stop at nothing, absolutely nothing to redeem his people. So all throughout the New Testament, scripture writers in so many different verses claim that Jesus is not just a good example. He's not just a good teacher or a good prophet, but rather that Jesus himself is God. And that changes everything. Yep, thanks for watching. I hope to come back in a couple of weeks with some new stuff hot off the press. Do me a favor, leave some comments about what you would like us to cover going forward and see you next time. Peace.